0: hello and welcome back to the pga podcast tracking canadians playing pro golf at all levels all around the world i am your host reese royer as always thank you dave we are lucky enough to be joined by another great guest this week, Jared Dutois. We chat about growing up as a junior golfer in Kimberly, his time at Arizona State, his career so far as a professional golfer, including some pretty impressive highlights like a 59 last year in an Outlaw Tour event. Really grateful to everyone that has been willing to come on the show and hopefully I can continue to bring people on to share their stories. It was a quieter week in golf, which actually kind of scares me a little for when all the tours are getting going. It's gonna be pretty tough to track all the results, but I will do my best. The Corn Fairy Tour is getting kicked off this coming week, so that should have some decent Canadian content with guys like Taylor Pendrith and Adam Svensson being regulars out there. But there were some Canadians in action this week, so let's dig into the weekly results recap. On the PGA Tour at the AT&T Pro-Am at Pebble Beach, it was quite a different week compared to most years, as there was no celebrity component of the tournament due to COVID. Uh, they did do a special celebrity event on Wednesday that featured Bill Murray, Larry Fitzgerald, Macklemore, Kira Dixon, Alfonso Ribeiro, AKA Carlton, and Catherine Newton. And can I just say, I might just start dedicating this show to somehow making Katherine Newton aware of it. She's got a great golf swing, great style, I am a big fan. Anyways, Nick Taylor was defending his title this week at Pebble Beach. For anyone who doesn't know, Nick is 32 years old, he's from Abbotsford, British Columbia. He played golf at the University of Washington and turned pro in 2010. He's got two wins on the PGA Tour, including last year's win at this event. And back in 2015 at the Sanderson Farms Championship, he is one of the guys that is a staple out there on the tour right now, and he was one of four Canadians playing in the field this week. He ended up as the only one to make the cut. He tied for 39th at minus four with rounds of 69, 71, 72, 72. Uh, Roger Sloan missed the cut at plus one. The cut ended up being at minus one, so he missed by just a couple. Calgary guy. David Hearn from Brampton uh, ended up at plus three to miss the cut. And Mike Gligak, who I chatted with last week, was five over after two rounds, also to miss the cut, which, of course, Daniel Berger ended up winning after draining a uh, pretty decent length eagle putt on 18. So congrats to him and another close miss by Jordan Spieth. But he is on the up, so if you're uh, one of those people who likes to bet on golf, Jordan could be in the winner's circle any day now. On the Outlaw Tour, they were playing at the Ken McDonald Classic at the Ken McDonald Golf Club in Tempe, Arizona. There were nine Canadians in the field at this three-day tournament, Uh, and there was some crazy low scoring at this event, um, which we actually talk about a little bit with our guest today, Jared. The winner was Carson Shackey, who ended up at minus 25 for three days. Uh, The Canadian results, Jared Dutrois ended up as the top Canadian, tied for the top Canadian spot at minus 16 over three days with rounds of 67, 67, 66 on a par 72. Good for a top 20. He was tied with uh, other Canadian, Riley Wielden from Richmond, British Columbia, 30-year-old who had rounds of 68, 65, 67. So a really good play from those two. But again, this course got eaten up this week. Um, the other Canadian to play all three rounds was amateur Phelan Shaw. Phelan Shaw. Uh, he, he ended up in second place in the amateur component of the event. I think there was must have been a separate cut for amateurs because he was even par through two days, which would not have made the cut uh, of nine under par. But then he fired a 64, eight under on the last day to uh, vault his way up to finishing second highest amateur. So good play by Phelan, who's from Calgary. Will Bateman from Edmonton just missed the cut at minus eight. Missed it by one. He ended up shooting a 31 on a five under par in his final nine, but just wasn't quite enough. Trevor Yu from Vancouver missed the cut at minus four. Tyson Terchansky, uh, a new player that I hadn't seen that name before, from Calgary. He missed the cut. He was at minus one through two days. Caleb Gorbhan from Smithers, BC, who uh, I understand is a player to watch. Really big hitter. He also missed the cut at minus one. Uh, Theo Sekulik, who I think uh, is still an amateur uh, from Rycroft, Alberta. Really good player in the uh, Alberta amateur circuit. Didn't have a great week. He shot nine over over two days. And oh, I knew I was gonna do this. I missed this on my first go around, but Gregory Belsito from Thornhill, Ontario was actually another Canadian to make the cut. He finished tied for 23rd at minus 14. Had a really good start, 66, 65, but then a uh, 71 the last day. is gonna lose you some ground in a tournament like that. So a lot of Canadian content in that event, good to see. Uh, onto the Swing Thought Tour. There were two events this week, uh, one in Florida and one in California. Uh, we only had Canadian content in the Florida event, though, at the ST8 event at Eagle Creek Golf Club in Orlando, Florida. The winner was uh, Alejandro Tosti at minus 24 over three days, another event with some crazy low scoring. Um, Jared Dutois in my interview talks a little bit about why the scores are so low at at events like this. It has a lot to do with course setup. There were three Canadians in the field. Unfortunately, none of them made the cut. Uh, The cut line ended up at minus eight. Keaton Vayette from Toronto uh, ended up at minus four. Marc Olivier Plassé from Mercier, Quebec finished at minus two. And Isaac Zalegi, an amateur from Winnipeg, Manitoba was at plus seven and also missed the cut. On the minor league golf tour, there were also two events this week, both in Florida, a two day event and a one day event at the Mel Reese Country Club two day event at the International Links in Miami, Mel Reese Country Club, obviously in Miami, Florida. The winner was Michael Budicavoli, who finished at minus six over two days and won in a playoff. And there was one Canadian in the field, Blair Bercy from Gander, Newfoundland, who we've talked about before. He ended up in tied for 15th at plus one with rounds of 70 73 to earn a paycheck. So good for him. Good plan. The other event this week was the Puerto Rico Open pre qualifier tune up played at Wellington National Golf Club in Wellington, Florida. And we have another win by a Canadian. Raul Menard shot a 7 under 65, a new course record to earn the win. He's from Angie Guardian, Quebec. He earned uh, just over $1,500, a good payday for a one-day tournament. Blair Bercy was playing in this event as well. Finished at even par to tie for 27th. And Hugo Bernard was playing. He shot a 1 over par of 73. Hugo is from Mont-Saint-Hilaire, Quebec, and was named to the uh, Young Pro squad last week. So good for him. He's playing some good golf. Maxwell Seer from Markham was a 74-2 over par. Johan Benson from Montreal, 4 over par, 76. And Colton Wiley from Markham, Ontario, with a plus 5, 77. So a good contingent of Canadians in the field that this week at Wellington. And finally, a new tour we've started tracking is the Cactus Tour, which is a developmental tour for women professionals. Uh, this week they had an event in Litchfield Park, Arizona, and there was, in fact... Some Canadian results. Uh, The winner of the tournament was Kendra Dalton at minus 12 over three days, 69, 69, 66. Very impressive golf. And Calgarian Jacqueline Lee, who I actually did an interview with for my radio show last year on the Fan 960, she finished tied 10th at minus four with rounds of 75, 67, 70. Uh, She is an unbelievable player who hopefully will get uh, some starts on the Symmetra Tour and maybe even the LPGA Tour this year. So keep an eye on her. And that's it for results. Uh, That's all I could track down this week. Before running the interview with Jared, I just want to thank everyone for listening and sending feedback. Keep it coming. If you have any ideas for people to get on the show or tours I should be tracking, please let me know. Uh, And if you like the show, feel free to share it with your friends who uh, also might like it. And here is my chat with Jared. Joined by Jared Dutois, who doesn't need much of an introduction, I don't think, on this pod. But uh, Kimberly Boy, who you'll all know uh, from playing in the final group with Brant Snedeker at the 2016 Canadian Open. Also, recently in the news, after uh, Monday qualifying for the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pines, uh, and also a uh, Arizona State player uh, who played with John Rahm. Uh, so, yeah, Jared, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. Fire it up. Yeah, so uh, we were just chatting about this. You're, you're currently playing in a uh, Outlaw Tour in Arizona. The I think it's the Ken McDonald Classic, if I'm getting that right and uh we're we're recording this thursday night as uh, so just round one just happened 67 five under puts you in 20th <laughs> five shots back
1: yeah yeah pretty uh pretty standard for for this event i mean the golf course is um quite easy and i was i was just saying yeah it's like there's there is no course management at all you just fire at every pin and there's there's no real trouble around the greens there's not a lot of trouble anywhere so it's just kind of like hit it as far as you can, hit it as close as you can, try and make a pot. And uh, yeah, fortunately, you know, I, I didn't do that enough today, but you know, we got two more days for that. So.
0: Yeah. 500 to, you know, your average golfer like me sounds pretty good, but when you look at the leaderboard, you can see it's uh, there's ways to ways to go, but I'm, I want to get more into your story, but I mean, just starting with that, like, is that kind of what life on, on the mini tour circuit is like, like you got to go out and just make birdies or is it always dependent on the course? Yeah,
1: I mean, you definitely get that more, you know, now and at this level than than usual. Um, you know, the thing that's tough, you know, mini tour in Arizona, it's a lot of the time, the courses that kind of offer the tour decent rates aren't exactly, you know, Jack Nicholas designs by any means. So it's like, um yeah, it's it's kind of you know at these tracks that are very affordable and you know usually in pretty decent shape. But yeah, you you got to take it low because it's it's very friendly to the average golfer. So um, very very friendly to uh, to a group of professionals down here.
0: And I mean, you just played in the Farmers a, a couple weeks ago. How does playing in these mini tour events and and having to compete with these guys who are like I mean, the talent in these tournaments is unbelievable. And like you said, some of the courses maybe aren't what you'd expect on a pga tour event how does that experience anyways translate into going and playing a course like tory which is 7700 yards yeah
1: i mean it's it's totally different and you know this week for example it just kind of like basically drive it as far as you can and keep it you know between the upright somewhere somewhat um and you know you know you're usually kind of playable from everywhere but like you know, where I was at Torrey Pines the week before, it's like, yeah, you know, if you're a foot in the rough, you can't get to the green. <laughs> and, and when you, and then you get up to the green complexes and it's like, okay, yeah, I got a, you know, a huge knob, you know, that's going to take this ball, you know, 15 feet right. And, you know, there's just a lot more to like a championship um, style golf course, you know, US Open style venue, than you know, the, the Ken Mcdonald uh golf course, but um you know good golf kind of takes care of business in um uh, in both ways in both courses so um yeah that's all you can do
0: yeah i I was texting gliggs uh during Tory Pines trying to set up an interview with him and i i uh I said I played Tory. A few years ago, I was on a family trip, and my dad and I snuck out and played with rental clubs. And I was like, "Yeah, I fired a pretty easy 85 from the uh, the men's tees with rental clubs." So if you need any tips, it, it blew my mind being out there. Like I played the back tees that were open, and every hole, you look back and 40 yards back is the uh, the pro tees. And I was like, "That was one of the longest courses I'd played from yeah. that tee." I can't <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine how hard it is to go out there with yeah. tournament conditions.
1: It's wild. And like for us from elevation, you know, we play, you know, a lot of courses in Calgary will be 72, 73 and people think it's long, but like Torrey Pines tipped out is 7,700 yards at sea level and like soft. So it's just like, you know, I, kind of, I was trying to make the comparison. It'd be like a 8,300 yard course in Calgary or something similar, you know, like it's just, it's, it's a lot. So um yeah, no, it was a good test and, you know, something, uh, you know, a good learning experience for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to uh, Jared Dutois, the junior golfer growing up in Kimberly. First off, like Kimberly is one of my favorite places to go play golf. So many good tracks. Um, what, like, Did you play all the courses growing up around there? or Did you have a home spot?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely a ton of golf out there. Um, I kind of grew up with a membership at uh, Kimberly Golf Club um, you know, kind of play there and work there, you know, when I was old enough to work a little bit. Um, but yeah, played a ton there. Um, but you know, bounced around a little bit as well. I mean, I didn't really get competitive until, you know, probably 14 ish, somewhere in there. So, um, you know, before, you know, when I was, I guess 10 to 14, it was just kind of like, you know, playing the summer for something to do. Parents would drop us off the course, we'd just go have a great time. And, and whatever and then you know I started getting a little a little more competitive I guess as the time went on and um and yeah I mean just really kind of took a liking to it and like I said probably 14, 15, started playing some more tournaments, you know, went to places you know, um kind of all over the East Kootenays a little bit. You know, everyone would have like their, you know, junior event here and there and there'd be ten kids in the age division signed up, but, you know, treated it like it was a major, you know, for me it was like, oh, we got the the Fernie Jr. Open this week, you know, what are we going to do kind of thing. And then um, kind of, you know, maybe grew out of that a little bit and, you know, started playing some kind of MJTs and, um, you know, a couple CJGAs. And most of those were kind of in South, you know, South Alberta, you know, left Bridge Tabor, go up to Calgary. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of tough, I guess, for me competitively, because most of the stuff was, you know, either kind of South Alberta and, you know, the BC stuff was all the way in Vancouver. So it was like, you know, I could either drive to, you know, like I said, Lethbridge or Calgary, or, you know, kind of fly out to Vancouver, Victoria. So um, kind of made my home, you know, competitively kind of South Alberta, I guess, I guess growing up.
0: Yeah. I was going to say it's that, that Kootenai region is kind of tough. It's, it's almost right in the middle but obviously closer to the alberta stuff so i imagine a lot of paradise canyon picture butte uh, junior tournaments and i remember every year that first tournament was paradise canyon it'd be you'd either get 50k wins or maybe snow (laughs) yeah
1: or, or both i remember one year we had both and it was just like what are we doing out here you know like i drove all the way out here for this but no, it was, it was fun.
0: I got, we got pulled off the course one year at picture Week. I was really young. Like, I think I was 11 and I was maybe four foot nine and 80 pounds or something. And they, like, they came out, Dean Sprittle and Thelma Coots came out and they're like, yeah, you guys are going to blow off the Kooten's here. <laughs> you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe it. Um, so then, yeah, you, you got a junior golf career and then you end up heading out to University of Idaho for your first two years of college golf. How did that happen? How did that come about to get recruited there?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I guess in general, you know, kind of a late bloomer, you know, didn't really start, you know, contending and competing well in kind of provincial and national stuff until I was, you know, kind of my grade 11 summer, maybe like maybe a little bit grade 10, but yeah, mostly kind of grade 11 summer and then on to grade 12. And, you know, in the U.S., U.S. colleges, I mean, they kind of have their eye on kids, you know, when they're 14, 15 kind of thing. And I felt a little outside of that window. So a lot of the schools that I kind of wanted to go to had already, you know, had a class and whatever, you know, nobody had real, you know, a ton to offer me, I guess. Um, So I had, you know, a couple kind of scholarship offers from a handful of different schools. Um, And Idaho, I went on a visit there, loved the guys, you know, it was like, a bunch of Canadian guys, you know, just a bunch of like good guys and we had good access to courses and a good coach. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's go here and kind of see what happens. And, you know, I guess when, when I was a junior and, you know, thinking about college, it was kind of like, Hey, you know, this is a cool opportunity. Let's just go see what happens kind of thing. And started there and, you know, took, took big steps, I guess, right away, freshman, sophomore year. And, you know, it was kind of, spring um i guess kind of winter i guess sophomore year and i kind of had some interest from kind of other schools through some buddies and whatnot and you know as soon as i started looking there then you know i kind of thought maybe uh maybe a different you know seeing a, a a little more i don't know history and opportunity at a at a school somewhere else would would be the route i wanted to go and i
0: i chose asu and yeah never looked back it was awesome so were you thinking at that point like if i can get into maybe a more competitive division and a team that has maybe bigger resources were you thinking eventually you're going to go pro like was that already your plan yeah i mean you know the way i guess i looked at it was like you know i
1: I want to make the most i guess of my opportunity and i thought just my my ceiling might be a little higher you know at a school with some more resources kind of thing and um and yeah, I mean, I guess that's the way I looked at. it. I actually got super fortunate because I just kind of told my my college coach, who I was pretty close to John Means, um, that basically, and he said, you know, I, I totally get it, I support it, and you know, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. I mean, you're my guy, and um, you know, I, I want to help you do great things. So he, you know, he, you know, he he's a lot. I guess unlike a lot of a lot of other college coaches that would say, Hey, no way you're transferring, you're staying here kind of thing. And um, I just got really fortunate and yeah, he, uh, he helped me out big time.
0: Is the uh, I, I don't know much about Idaho, to be honest, but I'm assuming the climate in Arizona in Phoenix is a lot better.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean Idaho like it was it actually wasn't that bad. I mean, there was this place called Lewiston you know, Lewiston, Idaho, and then Clarkston, Washington, their little border towns, like 45 minutes south where we were at. And, you know, it was super low elevation there. So they were kind of like Seattle-ish climate, you know, playable kind of in the wintertime all the time. And um, so, yeah, we'd, we'd go down there a lot in the wintertime and it was, it was awesome. I mean, you know, you'd kind of finish up class and, you know, you throw your sweatpants on and then put your rain pants over it and be four layers, but you just go out there and you're with, you know, like I said, we had a great group of guys. So, you know, just playing fun rounds, qualifying rounds was always a ton of fun. And yeah, we, we made the most of it and we actually had a really good team, but, but then yeah, at ASU, I mean, yeah, it was just a little different, uh, a little different scene. And um, like I said, a little more resource as well. So it was good.
0: Yeah. and, I mean, final thing about that. Obviously, playing with uh, now one of the top golfers in the world, John Rahm, um, that must have been quite the experience. Like, was it? It was he, it obvious that he was just going to be one of the top guys on tour when you were playing with him?
1: Yeah, like when I got there, you know, I, I think I got in and I met him just after he finished. You know, like it was either uh, maybe lost in the quarters or the or the semis or something. The USM, and I just remember. Like he was so disappointed and I was like, Man, no, like, it's not that bad. Like you making it up <laughs> making it that far. So like immediately you knew this guy was, you know, something special, I guess. And then yeah, playing with him, it was just like everything he did, you know, he was just he was just elite and he kinda had the the mindset of like, you know, like that that, you know, he believed in all his abilities and you know, he was gonna step on your throat if if you were playing against someone. Um yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty obvious that he was going to succeed. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't believe, you know, he was going to be the number two ranked or top ten ranked player in the world like the next year, like yeah. after he graduated. You know, that was just so quick, and I think that kind of caught everybody by surprise, probably except for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was it was crazy, and it
0: was – I mean, it was super cool to be around him, I guess, for for that year there yeah and I imagine you know just like you said you got to play in for tournaments and stuff and that internal competition probably helps develop your game
1: for sure yeah no it's uh oh yeah no 100% I mean we had like I said we had we had a really good group and with him and you just kind of being around him and seeing like you know the stuff that would drive him crazy and the stuff that kind of really kept him kind of practicing and grinding and everything and you know, it definitely uh, makes you look in the mirror and be like, hey, okay, if, I mean, if this guy's as hungry as, as he is, you know, we we all need to be on that level. And, you know, that helped me big time.
0: So then 2016, obviously you have a huge summer. Um, you're playing in the final group of the Canadian Open. Uh, you won local tournament, Glencoe Invitational here in Calgary. Um, and that was, you still had a, a year left at ASU? Yeah, yeah, that was going into my senior year, yeah so what did, what's a season like that as a a collegiate athlete coming back home and playing a lot of tournaments like what does that look like for you yeah i mean it was it
1: was it was weird for me i mean I guess you know going to my senior year um you know i guess every kind of year before I was kind of like an underdog you know it felt like and maybe if I wasn't, I I felt that way, you know, kind of small town, BC, whatever um, kind of overlooked for, you know, a lot of the provincial and the national stuff. So I kind of always like looked at myself that way. And then, you know, senior year after a big summer, you know, John had graduated. And I was kind of supposed to kind of fill his shoes too. And like, you know, and it was just like, man, okay. Like you're kind of not the underdog anymore, you know? And, and that was, that was kind of hard for me a little bit. You know, I remember the first round, um, that I played, it was at Olympia Fields, Illinois home event. And, you know, it was all these expectations, you know, all these kind of interviews and stuff kind of before the season. And I just, I, you know, I don't remember what I shot. It was either 81 or 82 first round. I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah. This is, this is not, uh, not off to the smoothest start, but, um, was able to, able to figure it out pretty quickly and just kind of get back to playing golf and, um, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, like I said, very different than, you know, kind of my prior three, four, five years, but, uh,
0: kind of got the hang of it and,
1: you know, did pretty well.
0: Yeah. And so you turned pro in 2017 after college, obviously. Um, and do you, do you go to, did you go to, uh, the Corn Prairie Q school or did you go straight to Canada and Latino America. Yeah. So, so
1: what I did, um, we finished up the national championship and then the next week was my first pro event in Victoria. Um, so I got a sponsor exemption into that one and then Kelowna as well as Winnipeg. I think it was, it was kind of three in a row. Um, and I, and I, I didn't have any status, but I played well in those three starts to kind of get Canadian status for the rest of the summer. I think the rule was, it was top 60 on the order of merit through four events or something like that. And you know, I was sitting 30th, or I I don't I don't remember what I was at, but um, so got my card, played the rest here in Canada, finished, you know, solid finish. I think I was like 23rd or 24th on the money list, which is kind of at the time top 20 got into second stage of Q school and then top 10 got in the final stage. So I kind of missed, you know, um, you know, any, any leg up there. So basically finished Canadian tour season, flew down to Arizona. My site was um, Southern Dunes in, you know, just in the Phoenix area. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, had my first taste of first stage um, actually played really well. Got hot. I think I opened with like a 62 or something like that. And then, you know, just kind of like breeze through first stage. And I was kinda like, oh man, this is easy. You know, I'll just play good at second stage, play good at finals, and I'll be on the corn ferry next year. And then, you know, just kind of had a rough week second stage and was like, Okay, yeah, see you next year kind of thing. Um, it was it was crazy and it was kind of my first experience of uh, you know, the, the slap of the face of, of Miss Q school,
0: but Q school, I mean, it blows my mind like you you have to work so hard to get through first stage, which I mean, essentially anyone can sign up for, and there's a ton of players playing in it. Um, but then, you know, you make it through, you play well, which you have to play really well to get through. And then you go to the second stage and it's like, Oh, now I'm playing against, you know, former PGA tour winners and, and people who had exemptions into this, like it just gets harder and harder each stage. Um, is it like mentally draining to try to go through that?
1: You know, it is. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a three month thing. If you're, you know, if you're doing the whole thing, if you get through each stage, so you kind of, you know, you have that emotional, you know, kind of battle of the, f- the first stage and then you got to wait three, four weeks for the second and then three, four weeks for the final. And it's just like, yes, it's kind of a battle. And, you know, there's just so much, you know, anticipation and just like, Hey, I, like I want to go and you, 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 try and, you know, you have so long to prepare that you think you just need to be, totally prepared for, um, for your time to go. And, you know, that's something, I guess, looking back, you know, I've, I've kind of missed a couple times now and it's like, man, you know, it's just, it's just golf tournament, kind of take care of your business. Don't, don't overwork and, you know, kind of let, uh, let your abilities and, and your belief kind of take care of themselves. So, um, yeah, but it, it, it's a grind. I mean, you, you talk to everybody. I mean, I play a lot of golf with, you know, Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin down here and, you know, those guys didn't make it through either, you know, kind of when they were starting up and it was like, and they, they say even to this day, I mean, it's second stage is the most stressful uh, golf tournament that they've ever played, you know, and and finals isn't much far off, but you know, at least you're guaranteed something if you make it to finals. Um, So yeah, it's, it's a battle, but you know what, it's uh, I guess if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what keeps you motivated.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, So when you miss at second stage, how does that affect your plan for the season? Because obviously now you got to figure out, you know, where am I going to play? And even between first stage and second stage, like, are you just sticking around playing mini tour events, playing like on the Outlaw tour or whatever is available?
1: Yeah, at that time it was kind of like, okay, yeah, now I got to figure out what I'm doing. So I kind of looked at options and you know, I had Canadian status from the year before, but that doesn't start up till the end of May. So I'm like, man, I, you know, I I miss it second, I think in November of, you know, maybe 17. And it's like, okay, you know, I don't have anything planned until May of 18. Like I gotta, I gotta fill some time. So I went down to Latino America Q school in Mexico, got my card and played, you know, I think the first five or six events down there. Um, And that, you know, that would have started up, you know, Q school is probably January and the tournaments probably started in March or something like that. And basically my plan was go down to Latin America. And if you play well enough, stay down there. And if you don't, you know, come up to Canada where I'm kind of comfortable for a, for a fresh start. And um, you know, I went down to Latin America and I, you know, I had a handful of decent finishes, like maybe like a 15th and a, 14th or something. And, you know, just kind of get my feet wet a little bit down there and kind of learning a little bit. Um, But, you know, didn't, didn't play well enough to kind of stick down there. So I said, okay, let's, let's go to Canada and try and have a good year. And, um, you know, ultimately didn't do that. But uh, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you know, when you miss a Q school, you gotta, you gotta find a way to kind of fill your time. And, you know, when I wasn't playing those, latin events you know there's a lot of kind of outlaws and at the time there was a dream chaser tour and you know you're just you're just trying to you know make a little money and you know get a little
0: more experience playing tournament and professional golf yeah and i mean the money is a good point and that's something that's come up pretty often on the show and i i think it's something like a really interesting aspect of trying to get to the point where you're on the pga tour and you're I mean money's not necessarily an issue. You make a couple of cuts, you're going to have a pretty comfortable life, but the the money required to to chase that dream is is pretty significant. I mean, you don't need to give me the the your financial plan, but what is like what kind of support do you get and and how do you go about getting that to make sure you know you can play in these tournaments and travel around to get in the right events? For sure, yeah. Um,
1: you know, for me I was super fortunate, you know, my my junior and senior year at, at ASU, I was selected for the golf Canada amateur team. And when you're on the amateur team, a lot of time, if you, you know, if you do well enough, you're kind of, you know, you graduate to the young pro squad and in that young pro squad, you know, you have the same access to coaching and, you know, your, your sports psychology and your trainer, but you also get a little bit of financial support. So that's kind of helped me out quite a bit for, you know, the last three years now, um super thankful to golf canada for that and then um you know fortunately you know when i when i turned pro a lot of kind of canadian companies i guess kind of helped out and they you know they they said they want to help me out and one of those being mnp which uh, which you talked about earlier and then um and then you know when i played uh i played titleist in college and i had a relationship with them and and then i wore footjoy as well so you know they kind of helped me out a lot as well equipment wise uh and everything so um yeah no I, I was fortunate but you know it's it's expensive I mean I was just doing I was doing my taxes pretty recently for for 2020 and you know looking at all my expenses and I'm like man like you don't realize you're spending that much money until you look at it at the end of the year it's like holy um so yeah it's uh you know it's huge and yeah you kind of need it to, to to keep going if if you don't kind of have a hot start
0: yeah so how do you balance and I'm curious just from you know player's perspective like winning or getting a payday at a tournament i don't know if you, if you win or you have a high finish and get a decent check like does that is that really rewarding because you're like okay i can i can pay down some of these expenses or is it like throughout the week you're thinking about that and and worrying about like i need to finish high so i can i can get that check Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess it depends. Like, you know, I'm a, I grew up pretty cheap. Like I'm kind of a cheap guy. (laughs) And uh, you know, so I remember my first time playing one of these mini tour events. It's like, you know, it's anywhere from 750 to a thousand bucks U S like for the entry fee. And you're like, man, that's steep. And then you play. And if you kind of get off to like a slow start, you're like, geez, I'm like, you know, I got to work to make the cut here. And you're like, man, I, I could lose. I could lose a thousand bucks and you know a couple bad holes you know it's just and, and i think that was you know that was a bit of a learning curve for me um you know because you, you really can't think of it that way and mm-hmm. you know i've gotten a lot better kind of recently at doing that and you know I, I i think i've become a little less cheap that way um which i think has helped my golf game but uh yeah i know it's definitely a part of the learning curve for sure because you know you can I mean, you, you know, I, I, should say you should miss cuts, but you know, you can miss, you can miss cuts if you know, it's golf. I mean, kind of anything can happen. So you can't really be, be scared playing golf and, you know, kind of scared about, you know, what could happen kind of thing if you want to be successful. So um, like I said, uh, it's, it's a learning curve and it. Um, you know, I definitely, uh, I definitely, I definitely had to learn pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I know your your girlfriends in the room with you there. So I'm sure she loves hearing that you're cheap.
1: Yeah, she she had a chuckle when I when I said I was cheap, but uh no, hey, it's it's all good. I I I'll, I'll say that I'm 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 cheap in some areas and uh you know, if if it comes down to picking up fried chicken or something like that for for the team which we had tonight, then I I can do that, but uh, you know, plenty of mini tour events and all that. I'm, uh, I'm frugal. How about frugal? That's a better word. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: (laughs) No, it's good. And I mean, just hearing you talk about it, like how you, you can, you can kind of accept the bad results. Like it's almost like it's every event's an investment in your future, right? You're everything's an experience and you're just going to get better the more you play. So I think that's a good, good attitude. Um, A couple highlights I want to talk about from your career so far Um, last year, almost, uh, about 11 months ago now, you fired a 59 in the final round of an Outlaw tour event. You shot 64, 68, 59, which was good enough for tied for first. Talk, can you tell me about, about that tournament? I mean, you, you ended up losing in the playoff to another Canadian, Will Bateman. Um, but like, how, what was it shooting 59 like?
1: Yeah, it was wild. Um, you know, it was kind of the last day. I was probably five or six back or something like that on an easy golf course so you know you need to kind of go low and it was just one of those things like i got off to a good start and kind of fortunately a guy in my group uh brandon harkins who's kind of bounced around pga tour corn Ferry tour got off to a good start as well and he was actually beating me like all day so it was just kind of like okay like keep up with him keep up with him kind of thing and you know i was doing it i was doing it and then finally it was like i think we were on like 17 t and we were both you know, ten under on a par seventy, and we were like, okay, like this can happen. You, you both for it. We were both ten under, yeah, and so it was like, okay, like, and then it kind of turned to like beating him, and you know, it was kind of like, okay, he's super deep, so if I beat him, then like I'll have a good chance of winning, and which is kind of crazy, and you know, fortunately, birdied the last hole for for the fifty nine, and uh, yeah, just kind of waited around because there was you know five six groups behind me, I was kind of out of it. Um, so yeah, I did that, and then uh, yeah, and then and then ended up losing a new playoff, um, which kind of sucked and dampened yeah, it a yeah. little bit. But uh, no, it was I mean it was just pretty cool getting in there and you know shooting fifty nine is is pretty cool as
0: well. So like when you're doing it, is it just your putter's hot like, or does everything feel on compared yeah, to like I mean- a sixty five?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's probably a lot the putter. I mean, you know, if you see, do you see? At least for me, if I see kind of one or two kind of long ones go in, then I just kind of start thinking I can make everything a little bit. And It's just like, you know, so uh, a couple of those pots, I guess, coming down the stretch, it was just like, okay, I just like I just felt like I just needed to hit it, and I'm, you know, it's gonna have a chance. You know, it was like barely. Um, you know, I guess not technical at all, but, uh, yeah, once you get in those rhythms, you kind of see it with everybody. Like, you know, it can, it can happen.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then the other thing we, we talked about how you, you Monday qualified for the, uh, the farmers a couple weeks ago, but I I mean, I was following along on Twitter with the the Monday Q account, that guy's a beauty, Ryan. Um, and that sounded like one of the craziest Monday qualifiers ever because the weather on the Monday was insane. Like the tournament got delayed. It was a Tuesday finish. You had what, two holes left and then had to come back on Tuesday. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I had, I had four holes left. Um, I guess I'll just give you the, the, the short version of, but yeah, so there was, Started the round and you know, it's kinda of off and on hailing throughout the day. I think we had five different, you know, little bits of hail and nobody really knows what to do when you're golfing in hail. Like, do you wait? Like, what do you do? And uh we do that. We got a lot of wind and then, you know, in California, um, you know, it was like probably forty degrees Fahrenheit, it's, what's that like five degrees Celsius and it just it's blowing and it's, you know, guys are thinking it's snowing. I'm like, no, no, that's not snow the tail. You know? <laughs> like they just had no idea. But uh, yeah, go out and play. And, you know, uh, it was one of those things, like if you're, if you're over par, a lot of guys were like, man, I don't even want to be here. So both, both the guys I was playing with quit after nine. And then they paired me up with the group in front of me who would, who had lost the guy as well. So I played three, four holes with them. And then we ran out of daylight, And they kind of told me as we were, you know, signing up scorecards and everything that they weren't going to come back. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going to play four holes by myself in the morning kind of thing. And, you know, I thought they might pair me up with somebody else, but they never did. And I just had this, you know, walk and score kind of with me and yeah. And ended up birding my last two holes and to get into the playoff. And then uh, fortunately birdied, birdied that same 18th hole in the playoff to to get on the Torian. Um, yeah, it was super cool. I mean, I was, I was pretty stoked about it cause I don't know. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to look at those Monday Q fields a lot of the time and be like, man, that guy's pretty good. Okay. That guy's, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, you know, it's, it's easy to get intimidated and that, you know, that was a big kind of hurdle for me, I guess, to, uh, get over that and, you know, kind of, I guess, realize and, you know, kind of have the belief of like, why not me, you know? And, uh, So that was, that was a lot of fun and yeah, super cool
0: experience. Yeah. I mean, you've been in the final group uh, on a Sunday at a PGA tour event. So why not you? (laughs) No, that's awesome. I mean, that, that was fun to fun to follow along on social and I'm, I'm actually really excited. It sounds like there's going to be more and more coverage of, of Monday qualifiers um, which I think is like one of the most unique aspects of professional golf, the chance to just play in to the biggest fields on, on tour. Does, does, getting into one because i know there's a pre-qualifier from for monday qualifiers does getting in or through a monday let you pass those and just go directly into the monday queues
1: unfortunately not no they uh they make me pay that extra money for the pre-queue <laughs> still um which is just tough kind of logistically as well because yeah. you know instead of going out like you know going out to let's say florida for for the monday it's like okay well i got to I got to go here for the Thursday qualifier. And if I play well enough in that, you know, I got to stay three, four days in the hotel to play in the Monday. And it's just, it's just kind of a lot. So um, I basically planned on doing the, you know, the two West Coast ones. You could do the Phoenix Open and Torrey Pines. Getting into Torrey Pines um, exempt me from the pre-qualifier for the Phoenix Open. Uh, but, but yeah, then if you miss there, then it's okay. Yeah, back to Priest, you know, kind of thing, which you know whats it is, what it is, um, end of the day, play better. And, you yeah. know, it, it's kind of the moral of the story, but,
0: uh, And but you were yeah, close at so, that, that Tory. You, I mean, you had a really solid first day and then miss, I've yeah. missed the cup by one or two. I mean, yeah, right there.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was close. I mean, that, that golf course, you, you can't really fake it. And unfortunately I was, I was trying to fake it on the, uh, on the Friday and it uh, it ate me up. So, um uh, live and learn.
0: So what is the, the plan for the 2021 season? Um, obviously, with, with COVID, a lot of stuff is up in the air, but what's your, your current uh, vision for what your season's going to look like? So, yeah, I mean, play, play a handful, you know, local mini tour events in the area
1: until middle of March. There's an event in Mazatlan, um, which is a course that I've played, you know, three four different times now, really like it. Um, so that's then, and then there's potentially a couple more in April. Uh, then my plan, I guess, is to go up to Canada for, for Q school at Crown Isle and play that tour. If, if it happens with all the COVID restrictions and then, you know, kind of some local stuff in between. Um, I mean, I've, I've kind of beat around the bush of of going out East for kind of the Florida swing and playing some of those Monday queues, but just the, the qualifiers, like i said just make it so much more impractical and just you know tougher logistically so it's like it's a huge commitment not only time-wise but financially and um you know i i just i just don't think that's in in my um near future so uh yeah i'm gonna stick out here and just kind of work on the game and kind of prepare for the spring and summer
0: gonna work on uh and an RBC connection, try to get into the heritage as a sponsor's exemption.
1: Yeah, I know. That'd
0: be that'd be unreal. But get, uh, get your buddies uh who are sponsored by them to uh to help you out.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. If only it worked that way, but uh hey, maybe maybe I'm maybe it could be the first, so who knows? If-
0: yeah. Well, I told this story um the week of Tory, uh, so I should I should let you defend yourself, but I think it was the summer after the, the Canadian Open um, at Glen Abbey. You were playing in a, a men's night at Earl Grey with your cousin, Scotty. <laughs> and uh, and I, I played a few hours after you. And I I came in my first ever bogey-free round, 67, felt like hot shit. And I uh, <laughs> got in the clubhouse and I'm like, I must have won by a few, right? And they're like, no, no, you're tied. Dutois played this morning. I was like, God damn it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember that day. That was pretty fun. EG, what a place. Have you played the new layout? I have. Yeah. It's, it's solid. I mean, you know, I I think once the kind of grass catches up and gets a little more kind of dialed in, it's, it's an awesome reno. Um, I think it made the course better. I mean, from a, from a pure golf standpoint, better. I mean, some of the scenery, maybe not
0: so much, but yeah, it's it's pure. I love it. Yeah, I love that track. Yeah, we had the Alberta mid M last year and uh I everyone loved the new layout. It was too bad though because they, they it's a longer course now and then since it was the mid M and it, Alberta Golf still kinda caters that tournament to like the forty year olds. Uh yeah. they played us up, so it was only playing like sixty eight hundred instead of seventy one. But um yeah, I love it. Anyways, well hopefully if you're if you're in town, let's get around in because I'd love to For play sure. with you. Um, Scotty beat me in our club match play this year. Although I sh- actually, he didn't beat me. We were tied. He made a birdie day team to tie it up. We went an extra holes. We played four extra holes. And I was like, I have to go to work. I played it in the morning, <laughs> kind of cut off work. And uh, yeah, I missed a, I don't know, 10 foot footer for birdie on four. And I'm like, dude, I got to go. You can, you can yeah. win. So. You take it, Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a tough way to go out but it's uh, tough yeah yeah that's golf yeah when you're when you're a job um (laughs) are you do you plan on on spending much time uh kind of at home this summer playing some of the kimberly tracks
1: yeah i mean i hope so um like i said it it really depends on you know what kind of happens with covid restrictions because Last summer, you know, Canadian tour didn't go and there there wasn't really a ton to do. So I kind of chased some corn ferry Mondays and then played, you know, a bit on the Dakotas tour and, you know, a bit of the state open circuit. So, you know, if Canadian tour doesn't go again, then I'm probably going to have to do that again. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it's it's tough and, you know, it's the way it is. And obviously I'd love to get home, but, you know, at, at this stage of my career, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's your job. So, you know as much as i love to go home i i can't if, if there's no i guess work for me so um yeah who who knows fingers crossed but uh yeah i guess i guess it's tough to kind of plan for anything with with all this going on
0: yeah yeah i have usually do a guys trip out there we play bootleg and shadow and uh and what's the new gary Player Wildstone? one? Wildstone. Wildstone. i love that track oh so good yeah all right well, I'll finish it off here with a segment I call oh Canada <laughs> i' i I'm really workshopping this. I think it's got some room to improve, but uh essentially it's just some Canadian staples I want to get your your preferences and feel free to add as much color to your answers as you want um, so the first one is what is your go to timmy's order? <sighs>
1: Oh, recently it was the farmer's wrap. Um, oh, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big Timmy's breakfast guy. So the farmer's wrap. I don't know if it's still on the menu. I haven't been up there in a while. Love the bagel belt, but I kind of mix it up. I go with the cinnamon raisin bagel. I mean, Ooh. it's 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 an with interesting bacon play. Bacon and egg. Yeah, it's an interesting play, but uh, it's delicious. Sweet I and mean, savory. I, yeah, I, I I highly recommend for for those listeners, whoever you are. <laughs> Okay,
0: interesting. What's like the comparable? What do you go to in the States for what would be a Timmy's run in Canada?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not the same. And we were actually, I was just talking to an American guy who who spent a summer up in Canada. And, you know, he was, he was telling another one of his American friends kind of about Tim Hortons and how big it is. And there really isn't anything down here as as tim Hortons, um so I, I i don't think i could even give you an answer you know I, I don't think there's anything the same as tim's i mean um you know Starbucks. Business opportunity can, yeah i mean starbucks you can kind of fake it a little bit and dunkin donuts maybe but it's just it's just different you know i mean it's just not the same
0: fair enough okay ryan reynolds or ryan gosling Got to be Gosling. Yeah. Oh yeah,
1: he's a man. I've seen that clip of him when he was like ten years old, like dancing. Have you seen
0: that? Yeah, from like the Mickey Mouse Club or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is, but it is must watch. He's just this little like ten year old. My girlfriend's laughing right now because <laughs> he's just out there dancing, and you know he's got like I think he's the only guy, and there's like fifteen like little girls as well, and they they have the whole kind of big choreog. You know, I don't know how to say that word, but they they do the whole dance. And it's kind of based on like his role and it's, it's really sweet clip. I would, I would highly recommend ever since I saw that it was, it's a no
0: brainer Gosling over Reynolds. All right. Good stuff. Okay. This one, I'm, this is the one I'm trying to figure out it. I think it depends on the the audience, but favorite Canadian TV show. And I'll give you some options. Schitt's Creek, Letter Kenny or Degrassi, but I feel like Degrassi is a little older than you are. Does Trailer Park Boys not qualify? Oh, thank you. See, this is why I, I asked for <laughs> feedback. Okay, I'm going four options: Trailer Park Boys, yeah. Letterkenny, Shit's Creek, Degrassi.
1: Got to be, got to be Trailer Park Boys. Um, I haven't seen, I haven't seen enough of Letterkenny to to know, but you know, of what I have seen, it's it's pretty good as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I would.
0: Letterkenny gotta, took, it took me a while to get into it. And I had a couple of buddies that were like, "You got to watch it. Give it a shot." Yeah. Cause I think on the surface, it looks like it's going to be annoying, but it's actually, it's really funny.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh no, it's, it's all, some of the clips like you, that you see on, you know, Instagram or Twitter or whatever are, are classic. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of like the, the modern, I'd say it's the modern day trailer park boys. It's kind of taken over that niche yeah. following a little bit. And um,
0: yeah. Oh, but, man, uh, I, you can, I totally forgot with trailer park boys. That yeah. show is so good. Okay. Roots or Lululemon
1: lulu lulu for sure um just i was never a huge rouge guy you know nothing nothing wrong with him but lulu's just lulu's dynamite i mean yeah like i said i'm i'm a pretty cheap guy um so so lulu's you know a little tough on the wallet sometimes but if you make the investment you will not you know look back it's uh i mean i have this this one pair of pants and i probably wear them Eight days a week, honestly. Um, so, so uh, yeah, gotta be Lulu.
0: Do you, I don't know if you have an apparel uh, sponsor, but maybe reach out to them, see if they wanna start sponsoring golfers.
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look into that.
0: All right. Ketchup chips or all dress chips? <sighs> That's a tough one.
1: Probably ketchup. I mean, ketchup was my first. Uh, yeah. It was my, it was my first love. I got into all dressed a little later.
0: Um, so got to, got to go with the OG, the OG ketchup chips. Of course. Yeah. All right. Snowboarder or skier? Obviously you grew up with a hill in your town, so I'm sure it was a big part of your life growing up. Yeah. Uh, I grew up skiing.
1: I tried snowboarding for one winter and kind of liked it for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, gave my head a shake and got back to skiing. So
0: nice. Skiing. Are you, yeah. are you, Pretty good.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm decent. I mean, we had, you know, a Hill membership, uh, you know, a family membership, I guess, for, you know, probably somewhere, you know, five to seven years or something like that at just the Kimberly Hill here. And, you know, a lot of time after school or on the weekends, if we didn't have hockey, we'd go up and skiing. Yeah. I love, I love skiing. I haven't done it in a
0: while, but uh yeah, loved it. All right. I, I know the answer to this one and I'm excited to share it, but what team do you cheer for? calgary
1: flames baby i mean i've uh i've had my heart ripped out by them for the past you know <laughs> basically since oh four so whatever that is sixteen years and uh you know i'm i'm just waiting i'm just waiting i i think they're getting closer but uh you know it'll be interesting to see if they can if they can do anything
0: you know they've been a great regular season team the last few years, which at least is kind of nice making the playoffs is better than the mid two thousand era but yeah <laughs> Yeah, one of these years we're going to make it into a late round. Yeah,
1: I hope so. Before Johnny leaves. I know, I know. And it's just like, I mean, as a fan, you, you wonder, at least for me, and it's it's kind of critical of those guys, but you kind of wonder if, if you can win with that core. And I, I hope they can because I, I do like those guys a lot. And, um, you know, we'll see. I guess only time will tell.
0: Yeah okay this one is uh this is the last question i think i I might get rid of it because it's i'm just really curious about it but it really doesn't offer a lot but are you and obviously you're righty in in golf we know that but lefty or ready in hockey
1: i'm a righty in hockey yeah yeah i'm righty with everything i don't know it's i feel like a lot of hockey players well i guess you know a lot of them shoot left so then they golf left but uh yeah, I was I was a right-handed shot in hockey, so you know, kind of went with a no-brainer, I guess, right-handed in golf as well.
0: Yeah, I'm lefty in hockey, righty in golf. Can't explain it. Yeah, hey, whatever. If I were, I should look to see if there's a paper on that or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, good enough for a bogey-free 67 at Earl Grey Men's Night. So I, hey, I think you made the right call.
0: I appreciate it. Yeah, although my <laughs> lefty swing is pretty tight, but actually maybe maybe one season i'll try switching but um yeah had a couple more bogey free rounds this summer so that was nice oh yeah let's go on the way up all right that is it for O canada and that's it for uh for our talk i really appreciate you uh doing the show with me it's uh it's great to talk to you and i hope you have a, a good successful season and there's tours to play on for you
1: thanks tracy i'm uh i'm hoping so as well no it's good talking to you as well got to uh got to give the Canadian boys a little love, you know, I mean, we love what you're doing and uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it gets a little easier to follow.
0: Yeah. Hopefully uh, I know the, I mentioned them a couple times already, but the Monday Q guys are, are starting to put out more info on mini tour results. So hopefully I can just steal some of their info and share all the, uh, the Canadian results. We'll be talking about how you finished this week. Uh, hopefully a couple more good rounds and catch up to those 10 unders. Sweet.
1: Yeah. I can, I'll do my best
0: that was my interview with jared dutrois a great guy and an incredible golfer now my mom mentioned she thought i should have some sort of sign off for the show or at least an indication that it's over so here it is that's it for this week's make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and enjoy whatever golf you're able to take in this week. Thank you, and we'll see you next Sunday night.